0: Good morning, friends. Good to see you here today. Thanks for joining us. My name is Nathan. Welcome to Emmaus Church. If this is your first time, I hope you feel right at home. I want to encourage you to raise your hand if you like a Bible or a notes page or a communication card that you could use to hand off your contact information uh, later in the morning if you'd like to stay connected with us and help us to stay connected with you. So keep your hand up. And we'll hand stuff out. I'm going to be walking through the Gospel of Matthew really quickly today, starting in about chapter 8. You might have that open um, if you like. That's the first book of the New Testament, just to kind of give you a sense of context for the things that we're talking about. All right. Good. There's some space up here in the front. You're welcome to grab that if you like. First Sunday of Lent today. Lent is the season that prepares us for Easter. It's a 40-day or so season and the hope is that what we're going to engage in together is a series of conversations over the next few weeks that aid in that preparation process okay we want to we ultimately want to recognize our need so that we can celebrate the fulfillment of that need in Christ in the resurrection so that's where we're headed here's the question i'd like to start with this morning what is it that keeps something from being whole what is it that keeps something from being whole like maybe it's a missing piece um, like that. Uh, maybe if something's been wounded or it's been injured and it needs to be healed, it needs to be restored. Or maybe something's just immature, it's not fully realized, it's, it's not grown as, as into the wholeness that it will be at some point. We're doing this, this series for Lent called Christ the Healer. And we're going to hear from several different people about themes that are commonly considered during Lent. Themes like uh, recognizing our need, like simplicity, like spiritual disciplines that we participate in, um, the value of those disciplines, common themes that we hit often during Lent. But we're going to hear from a variety of perspectives. I've invited several people to share in the teaching during this season. I think it's going to be a really powerful series. So we'll cover a variety of issues from a variety of perspectives, but ultimately they all fit within this big theme of Christ as healer. All right, so let's jump into that. Here's a question. If, If you could be assured today that complete healing was possible, what ailment or injury would you ask to be healed? What Regret or disappointment would you bring to the Lord assured of its healing? What what effect of a poor choice or a bad decision, a damaging decision? What conflict would you most want to be healed? If it were possible to receive healing for something today, for anything, what would you ask to be healed? I was working out in our garage early this week, and it was one of these mornings where I was just aware of all these things that were hurting. Do you ever have these kinds of things? Like I've got a knee thing, and I've got this Achilles thing, and I've got a back thing, and I've got this new shoulder thing. And I'm just going, what is the matter with me, right? And those are just the things that, that are easy to talk about. Uh, I, I've also got relational things that, that I would love to be healed. I've got sadnesses that I wish could be healed. Uh, I've got phys- like psychological or emotional wounds that I've picked up along the way. I've got others' needs for healing that I hear about daily, uh, as you probably do too. And I've got a whole host of concerns about culture. Right? So there's a, if you ask me what would you like to be healed and you gave me a minute, I could give you a long list. Like a really long list. And, and then there have been times, and this is important, there have been times in our life when I wouldn't even need a minute to answer that question. There have been times in our life when our longing for healing was so intense. It was just so Hot. It was literally the first thought of every morning. It was literally the default place our minds would return to whenever there was a moment of stillness. It was the prayer we prayed with every breath. There have been times when our longing for healing was the deepest longing we felt. It was the most urgent need we had. My point is this. I think it's relatively easy for us to recognize the value of healing. We get it. I think it's not always easy for us to recognize the value of salvation. Healing seems profoundly relevant. Ask anybody, anywhere about healing, and they're probably interested. They probably know they're not whole. In fact, they're probably already doing something to try to get better. Salvation, on the other hand, is something that just religious people seem to talk about. And many of us, even though we know we need salvation, we don't always feel the need for salvation very urgently, very deeply. And so consequently, disciplines or habits or difficult decisions that are associated primarily with salvation are easy to put off. They're easy to delay. They don't often seem as important or urgent. We have a sense that we should do this or we shouldn't do that right, certain things, we should pray, we should worship, uh, we should be generous in our, in our giving, but it can be easy to let that stuff slide if it has to do primarily with our salvation. What if the two concepts, friends, healing and salvation, are, are actually more like one and the same concept? What if healing from Jesus' perspective is just part of salvation? And what if salvation that Jesus brings is really just the completion of healing? What if being saved is not so much about being moved from one location, earth, to another location? What if being saved is ultimately about being made whole? What if God's greatest desire for you is your wholeness, that you would be whole? Let's consider this for a minute together, okay? The purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to humanity, right? Specifically, the nature and the will of God. And very early in the Bible, God's nature and God's will are revealed through some interesting words. Here are a few examples. The name of God revealed in the Bible, clearly the context of the Bible is a variety of cultures revering a variety of different gods. But then the, the name of the God who reveals himself to humanity in the Bible is revealed. And it's revealed as Jehovah. It can also be pronounced Yahweh because the Hebrew is just four consonants. So depending on what vowels you slide in between those consonants, it's pronounced differently. The Latin pronunciation is Jehovah. The God who is revealed to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. The God who says, who answers the question what should i who should i say sent me that moses asks to this burning bush is jehovah which just means god says i am that i am i am existence i am the ground of being i am the the source of existence itself so the word in the bible for the name of god not general small g god but the proper name of god is jehovah here's another hebrew word yeshua Yeshua is this Hebrew word that means salvation or deliverance. But it also means healing or safety. So you've got Jehovah and you've got Yeshua. And then here's a third example. There's a leader in the history of the Hebrew people who comes right after Moses. Moses delivers the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt Then he hands off the baton to the next leader, and his name is Joshua or Jehoshua. In English, we say Joshua. Joshua's name is just a combination of Jehovah and Yeshua. So the name Joshua means God saves, right? So the the name of the leader who leads the people of Israel into the promised land, out of wandering around and into the promised land, is named Joshua. God who saves or God who heals. Now fast forward to the New Testament. You've got a young woman who is uh, who uh, is an angel appears to saying, you're going to be pregnant with a son and you're going to name him in Hebrew, Joshua. In Greek, what is it? It's Jesus, right? And then Why is this baby going to be named Jesus? Well, the angel tells Joseph, Mary's fiancé, because he will save his people from their sins. You with me? Okay, here's where it gets really interesting. Okay, because the word that is used for save starting now with Jesus and throughout the rest of the Bible because it's written in Greek is this word sozo, S-O-Z-O. Why is that interesting? Because all throughout the New Testament, including the words of Jesus, sozo is translated not just save, like from evil or judgment, but it's also translated to keep safe or to deliver from danger. And it's also translated to heal or to make well. In other words, the biblical concept of salvation is almost almost certainly more robust and more complete than we typically think. When you hear the word salvation, if when you hear that word, you think primarily about something that happens at another time, in another place, then I've got some good, though challenging news for you. Salvation's bigger than that, okay? Salvation is more than that. Here's the message. God wants to make you whole, okay? God wants to make you whole. Let's look at a few places in the Bible where this word sozo is used. We'll kind of trace this quickly through the New Testament. There's a scene in Matthew 8 where the disciples are in a boat. The storm descends on the water. The disciples are freaking out. Jesus, surprisingly, is asleep. They call out to Jesus, Lord, save us. We're going to drown, the word translated save right there, which means in this case a very literal rescue from danger, is the word sozo. Next chapter, Matthew 9. Story about a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. She comes up behind Jesus, touches the edge of his cloak, saying to herself, if only I can touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turns and sees her, says, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. The word translated healed there is the word sozo, physical healing. The next chapter, Matthew 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the persecution that they should expect as followers of him. And he encourages them saying that he who perseveres to the end will be saved. And here in what feels like very much like in this world you're going to have trouble but great is your reward in heaven kind of statement... The word translated saved is sozo. So, rescue from danger, healing from illness, eternal life, all part of the same concept, which is represented by this Greek word sozo. In fact, Jesus seems to see salvation and healing as essentially the same thing. Earlier in Matthew 9, these people bring their friend who's paralyzed. He's lying on a mat. They bring him to Jesus uh, to be healed. And Jesus sees the man lying on the mat. He recognizes the faith of the man's friends. And he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees go ballistic. They blow a gasket. They're like, who is this guy who thinks he can forgive sins? And Jesus' response is, what's easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? And then he looks at the man and he says, but so that you will know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, pick up your mat and go home. What does the guy do? He picks up his mat and he goes home, right? It's, it's, it's as if Jesus is saying, pick up your mat and be healed. Your sins are forgiven. It, whatever. It's I'm here to do it all. I've come to restore all things. I've, I'm, I'm here to make you whole. Try not to pick my, you know, criticize my language or like say it's this, but it's not this. No, it's the whole thing, it's it's all of it all together. Here's a few more examples. Some of you will remember in Luke chapter 8, Jesus encounters a man who is naked, out of his mind, living among the graves. He's possessed by demons. Jesus walks up to this guy. Everybody's afraid of him. He's got shackles around his ankles that he's broken off. The townspeople have tried to imprison him. Jesus walks up to him and says, what's your name? And he says, Legion. Because there's not just one demon in this guy. There's a whole lot of demons. And Jesus casts out these demons. And they go into pigs. Remember that? Some of you remember that? Pigs run down the cliff, jump into the lake. Townspeople get really angry. They come out and their minds are blown because here's the man Formerly demon-possessed man, now sitting in his right mind, dressed and at the feet of Jesus, and he is cured. And the word translated, cured is sozo. Healing, deliverance, salvation. And this one's really interesting. John or Luke 17, Jesus heals ten lepers. Okay, so ten people with leprosy get physically healed, and they celebrate, and they run away, and one comes back, and one kneels at the feet of Jesus, and to this one, Jesus says, stand up and go, your faith has made you well, and again, made you well, sozo. So 10 people receive physical healing, but it's it's just physical healing. It's not the whole picture. One person comes and returns thanks to Jesus. And to this one, he seems to understand there's more here. And to this, to this one person, Jesus says, you have been made well. You have been saved. You have been delivered the whole thing. The word sozo appears in the New Testament about 100 times. About 80 times, it's translated to the English word saved. So most of the time, it's salvation, as we typically think of it. Here's some examples. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Uh, Jesus saying, the Son of Man came to seek and save what is lost. Peter and John in Acts, repeating over and over again, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Paul in Ephesians saying, it's by grace that you have been saved. It's all the same word, sozo. Most of the time salvation is what we're talking about. But I wonder if we've talked about that so much in terms of going to heaven when we die salvation or moving from one place to another place that we've almost completely missed the healing that Jesus wants to do in this place at this time. My point today, friends, is that it's not either or. Okay. It's both and and even more. God wants to make you whole. That's his longing for you. His complete wholeness. On this first Sunday of Lent, I want to cheer you on in your faith in Jesus. And I want to challenge you toward a more wholehearted devotion to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to embrace disciplines, habits, that will help you sin less and love Jesus more. Why? For my salvation? No, for your wholeness. Okay? For your wholeness. For the sake of your wholeness, your deliverance, your healing, and your salvation. All of it. Because Jesus wants to make you whole. And this season of Lent is a critical part of the process of true healing. The invitation is to engage in disciplines or practices or rhythms that will ultimately make you more whole, more healthy, emotionally and physically and spiritually. Melissa Lester, in our podcast this week, she encouraged us not to treat Lent like a personal improvement project. And I really appreciated that. In other words, don't just say, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to do that diet I've been thinking about doing, right? She encouraged us instead to use Lent as a tool to deepen our relationship with Jesus. And I appreciate that. What we're saying this morning is that your relationship with Jesus is not just about getting your sins forgiven or going to heaven when you die. Jesus came so that we might experience abundant life. And I hope that we can better recognize the value of being whole and that we can see Our obedience to Jesus within the context of becoming whole. Not just that obeying Jesus is something I should do because I should do it. It is that. We should obey Jesus simply because he said we should obey him. But there's more to it than just that. Obeying Jesus is the way to abundant life. Jesus is for you. Jesus wants to make you whole. Anything that Jesus instructs you to do is an instruction toward wholeness. The way of Jesus is the way of salvation, is the way of healing, is the way of wholeness. So let's pray for our healing as honestly and specifically as we can. Let's pray for our salvation fully and let's pray for our wholeness okay let's pray for our wholeness that we would be made whole may you friends engage in this next season with the kind of passion and intentionality that reflects the belief that you want to be whole okay now here And ultimately, with the Savior and the lover of your soul in heaven. Amen? Let's pray. God, we've cut our lives into a bunch of little parts, I think, just so we can manage it well. But consequently, our hope for you is so bifurcated, it's just so limited, And so much of what we talk about seems to be about another time and another place, and I pray for grace to embrace the fullness of your desire for our lives here and now. Um, May we not put off the decisions any longer. May we not succumb to laziness and a lack of passion any longer. Um, May we engage in the disciplines modeled for us by the historic church, with our whole hearts, lying completely, like submitting ourselves completely before you, saying, Lord, please make me whole. Encourage your people. Fill us with faith. May we joyfully pursue your calling on our lives, Lord. And may you make us whole. In Jesus' name, amen.